At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. This morning, we are going to be wrapping up a short little series that we began last Sunday called Growing Up. Now, this series really is asking the question, how will we grow during this COVID-19 spring? Will we grow merely in our anxiety? Will we grow merely in our debt? Will we grow merely in um, unemployment claims? Or, Or will we grow in some other ways? Specifically, will we grow spiritually at this time? I believe that it's possible. I believe it's actually God's will for us to to grow in our spiritual lives in the midst of this season. But last week we began a conversation about what does it even look like for us to grow spiritually at a time like this. And we looked as a point of reference to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3 where Paul was interacting with his friends in Thessalonica who were Christ followers. And he observed something about the spiritual growth that he had seen in their lives. He says, we ought always to give thanks to God for you brothers as is right because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. In other words, how was the spiritual growth of the Thessalonians measured by the Apostle Paul. It was observed in a growing faith that they had in God and a growing love that they had for one another. Well, last week we began this series by looking at how do we increase our faith in God at this time? How do we have his perspective on our trials? We looked at that last Sunday from James chapter 1. Today, we're going to continue this series and talk about how our love for others might increase even at this time, as that is, again, God's will for us to grow spiritually, and that spiritual growth will be represented in one way by the love that we have for one another. So we're going to see that this morning. But before we we look at that, I I want to just reflect about our, our lives that we're living right now. Uh, We're living in a world where uh, the physical distance that we have between others has made some things a little harder, hasn't it? I mean, it's made it harder for us to connect with our families. Think about that. Some of you have grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, uncle, aunt, who are living in a care facility right now, and suddenly you can't go see them. Kimberly's grandmother had a a very significant birthday uh, recently, and family was only able to uh, celebrate with her through a pane of glass. It's it's more challenging at this time. We still go and and celebrate with her, but it's, it's challenging, right? It's more challenging in this season. It's more challenging for some to do their vocation at this time. I know there are educators all over the world who are trying to figure out how to teach second graders to read through a screen, through a Google Hangout right now. That's a challenging thing as it's challenging to do our vocation with this physical distance. It's, it's also challenging for some of you who have picked up a new job, homeschooling your children, or for your children learning how to be a homeschool student yourself. It's just more challenging to do certain things right now. Not only that, it's challenging because we are separated physically from our friends. We can't gather together to have a meal together. All of our interactions are through a screen, and 
you know, we, we lean into that. We still have those Zoom calls or FaceTime, but it's just not quite the same, is it? I mean, it feels somewhat two-dimensional in that communication, and yet we still are leaning in. You know, one of the things I miss the most as we think about this new environment that we have is that when the meeting is over, everybody clicks, leave the meeting, and there's no lingering. Some might say loitering after the meeting, just having some conversations is one of the things that I miss about not having Sunday services here. It's the time between services, after services, just connecting and interacting with one another. Things are more challenging right now. Humor is harder right now. I mean, raise your hand right now if you just delivered a fantastic joke in a Zoom call, but you had your mute button on. Nobody heard it, right? It's challenging at this point to communicate with others, and yet we still are pressing in. We're finding out new ways to communicate. We're we're learning through screens and digital environments. We've allowed the cost to communicate to be raised, and yet we're still willing to pay it. Why? You ask that question? Why is it that we're still willing to pay a higher cost to communicate with others? Well, friends, I think it's because we were designed to communicate with others. We need it. We long for it. As a matter of fact, remember back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, when God created the world, he had Adam in the Garden of Eden, Adam in paradise at one moment, but Adam alone in paradise, God says, was not good. It was not good that he was alone. So when you are home right now in your apartment or you are home right now in your house, there is something that just is off because we weren't designed to live in isolation. We were designed to to live together. And friends, in Christ, in Jesus, we're remade to live together with one another. This morning, we're going to see Jesus' command for how we are to interact with one another. And not only are we going to see his command for how we are to interact with one another, but we're going to see that it is a key component to our spiritual growth, not just someday, but right now. It's a key component to your spiritual growth, even in the midst of this time of physical distance. We cannot social distance. We can physical distance, but we cannot social distance and expect to grow spiritually because there is a component to our spiritual lives that involves one another. And we're going to see that today as we look to John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, and a specific statement that Jesus makes to his disciples there. So if you've got a Bible, open up to John 13, beginning in verse 34. I want to read those two verses for us, and then we're going to back up and make some observations about them. Now, before I read them, I want to just place them within a context. If you've been with Wildwood for a while now, you know that we have been walking through all uh, you know, for the last several years, walking through the life of Jesus, and, and very specifically in the last several weeks, we were looking at the last couple of days leading up to Jesus going to the cross and offering his life as a sacrifice for our sins. One of the events that we looked at was Jesus celebrating a last supper with his disciples. We looked at that in Matthew's gospel, but here in John's gospel, we see a little more detail about some of the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples as he was celebrating that last supper 
with them that last night before he went to the cross. In that conversation with his disciples, in that key moment in history, Jesus said this. He said, John 13, 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, in those two verses, Jesus really provides a key principle to his ethic for how his followers are to interact with each other going forward. And if we were to summarize the principle that Jesus gives there, I think a fair summary of that would be to say this, we are to love as Jesus loves. We are to love as Jesus loves. Now, this is important, Jesus loves, right? It's not love as Jesus loved, as in Jesus went through a phase of his eternal existence where he was loving, but he's not anymore. No, Jesus is still loving us. And if we are alive spiritually today, we are experiencing the love of God. So when Jesus commands us to love one another, he is inviting us into sharing the love that he is sharing, present tense, with us. We are to love as Jesus loves. Now, where do we see that in the passage? Well, we see it all over the passage we just read, right? I mean, look at all of the different places where love is mentioned in these two verses. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. The world will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It was throughout this principle. But, but friends, it wasn't just in this comment. It wasn't just in this statement. But throughout the final few hours of Jesus' life, he talked a lot about love. And he demonstrated a lot about love. You know, John's gospel is fascinating in the sense that in the first 12 chapters of John's gospel, the word love appears exactly 12 times, 12 times in 12 chapters. And yet, beginning in verse 13 on through chapter, or chapter 13 on through chapter 21, the final nine chapters of John, the word love is referenced 44 times. So as Jesus is is headed to the cross in the last few hours of his life through his resurrection, his love was on display both in what he said and in what he did. So if we are to love as Jesus loves, Jesus demonstrated what his love looked like. It's not up to us to just imagine what God's love is. Jesus demonstrated it for us, and he demonstrated it to his disciples on the last few hours of his life. Well, where do we see that inside of this chapter? Well, I just want to walk through the end of John's gospel really quickly to see some of the ways that Jesus demonstrated his love. In John chapter 13, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. They've been out walking on dusty streets, and their feet were dirty, and they gather, and Jesus takes the role of a servant. He fills the water basin. He grabs the towel, and he washes their dirty feet. He served them in that moment. His love was on display in that he washed their feet. Not only that, but his love was on display in that he taught them truth. John 14, 15, and 16, and even 
sections here in chapter 13, Jesus is teaching them. He is telling them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He is talking to them about their need to be dependent upon him, to abide in him. He is reminding them that God has prepared a place for them, that they would be in their Father's house always. Jesus is teaching them. He's reminding them of his truth. That's one of the ways that he was showing his love to his followers. Not only that, but he prayed for them. Specifically, he prayed that they would have a unity as they gathered as Christ followers. Jesus had created unity just as Jesus had unity with the Father in heaven. So he wanted that kind of unity experienced between his followers with each other and with God as well. He prayed for their unity. He demonstrated his love in that way. John 18 and 19 talk about how Jesus went to the cross how he offered his life there willingly as a sacrifice to pay the penalty that our sins deserve. That was not just something that he did in a cold and callous fashion. He did it as a representation, a demonstration of his love for us. He valued us being in his father's house with him forever. And so he went to the cross and offered his life for us there. He demonstrated his love. Not only that, but he showed back up. Right Now, this is maybe a little too basic of a point. I mean, after all, he was resurrected in chapter 20. Did I skip the punchline? No, he definitely was resurrected. But after his resurrection, he still interacted with his followers. He showed back up. He didn't send him an email. He didn't send him a text. He didn't just leave him a note. But he showed up. He interacted with his followers in a, in a garden. He interacted with them in Galilee. He interacted with them in Jerusalem. He cooked breakfast for them. He showed up. He was with them. His presence, even in that moment, was a demonstration and a representation of his love. He forgave their sins. Now, obviously, his death on the cross paid the penalty that made forgiveness stick or last But Jesus even demonstrated the forgiveness that he had as he met with Peter who had denied him three times and he forgives him and reinstates him. We see that revealed in John chapter 21, but think about this. The disciples all abandoned him in that moment, and yet Jesus forgave them. His presence with them, his interactions with them reminded us of the forgiveness that is available in God. It was a demonstration, a representation of his love. And then he involved them in his work. After forgiving Peter, he didn't say, you're forgiven, but now you're second class. He said, you're forgiven and you're reinstated. I have a a purpose for you and a mission for you, Peter. Jesus involved them in his work. Now, I want to go one step further. All of these things that Jesus did demonstrating his love for them might be summed up in what John would say in his epistle in chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love, because of what Jesus said. No, that's not what he says. He says, by this we know love because of what Jesus did. He laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. This is 
John's restatement of what he heard Jesus say. I want you to love, Jesus says, as I love you. John says, Jesus demonstrated a love in what he did. And he invites us now to share that love with others. Tony Evans describes this kind of a doing kind of a love this way. He says, biblical love is the decision to compassionately, responsibly, and righteously pursue the well-being of another person. It's not the same as liking someone. To like someone or something is to express a feeling. By contrast, loving someone may or may not have feelings connected to it. Love is a decision to seek another's best regardless of your feelings. See, Jesus loved us in his actions. He demonstrated it. It involved his emotion. It involved his words, but it wasn't limited to just those things. And that kind of a love, Jesus said, is the way I want you to love one another. Now, Jesus said of this commandment that he gave that it was a new commandment. Now, that can be confusing. Did God just suddenly get interested in the love business? I mean, is this a new ethic that was given? Actually, it's not a new ethic. It actually is an old ethic. I mean, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Leviticus, for crying out loud. Leviticus 19, 18 said that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. This ethic is an old ethic, but when Jesus said he is giving a new commandment, what he meant was he was breathing fresh life, breathing fresh life into a very old and proven command. Jesus said, I am bringing this to life. I am resurrecting not only my body, but I am resurrecting this commandment, and I'm placing it before you front and center so that you would know and understand what I desire for you. Well, friends, if that's what Jesus commands, then the question really ought to be, are you loving like Jesus? Right now, in your life right now, are you, are you loving like Jesus? Not did I love Jesus back when I could meet in a building, not Did I love Jesus back when I was in college? Not did I love Jesus when I was a kid and didn't know any better. But right now, right where you are, are you loving like Jesus? Are you serving or are you expecting to be served? Remember, Jesus took the basin and the towel and he washed feet. Are you loving those around you by serving or are you expecting to be served? This is true for children. Are you serving your families? Are you, are you taking this time together as a family to think about how can I serve and bless mom and dad at this time? Or are you expecting to be served? This is not just a command for kids, moms, dads, adults, grown-ups. Are you serving right now? Or are you expecting those around you to serve you? If we're going to love like Jesus, we will follow his example what love looks like, taking up the basin and the towel and serving those around us. Are you pointing others to the truth? Are you pointing others to the truth? And by the truth, I mean truth, capital T, I mean Jesus. Right now, are you reminding them of the life that is available in him? Is that the tone and the tenor of your communication on social media? Is that the thing that you're reminding each other of when you talk? 
Or are we just complaining about things? Are we going to point to the truth even at this time? Loving one another, loving those around us involves pointing people to the truth. Jesus did that in a much more stressful situation the last 48 hours of his life than we're even experiencing right now. And yet he was pointing others to hope and life in him. Are you praying for and pursuing unity? Jesus modeled that. His love involved time on his knees praying for us that there would be unity among us. Are we praying for unity? Unity inside of our church, unity inside of our community, unity inside of our nation, beginning with the household of God. Are we praying for that? Are we pursuing that? Are we looking for reasons to argue? Friends, are we praying for and pursuing unity? It's an expression of the love that Jesus demonstrated. Are you dying to yourself for the sake of others? Are you taking the thing that you want and putting it aside for a moment to do what someone else wants? Friends, this is part of what the love of Jesus looks like. As we interact as a a church family, we ought to seek to set aside our preferences in order to serve the needs of one another. Are we doing that even right now? Are you showing up? After Jesus was resurrected, he made it a priority to go and spend time with people. Are we showing up? And I realize right now in the physical distancing that we're in, we might say that's impossible, but it is possible to text. It is possible to call. It is possible to just find creative ways to show up in the lives of those around us, including our church family. Are you able, are you willing to show up in that moment? Are you forgiving? You know, when you have more time alone to to be in your thoughts, we can go back to things that we haven't forgiven, right? We can go and and build a whole party around the hurts of our past. Are we going to live there, or are we willing to forgive? And lastly, are you involving others in your world? You know, Jesus said to his disciples, come and be with me as we go and take this message to the ends of the earth. Are you He involved them in his world, and I think this principle is is key for us. Are you involving people in your world in this time of physical isolation? Let's not have it be a time of, of isolated worlds, but invite someone in. Enter into the world of another. Love them in this way. Care for them in this way. Share with them in this way. Friends, are, are you loving like Jesus? It's, it's not just a word. It's not just an emotion, but it's action. That's, that's what Jesus did. Jesus demonstrated his love by laying down his life, and so we also, friends, are to love in that way, following the example of Christ. Now, how do we love like this? I mean, that, that's a high bar, right? I mean, if, if we're to love like Jesus loved, guess what? You're not going to be as good at it as Jesus is. I, I don't care. I mean, you might have a great day. You're like, today was awesome. You know, I, I got up. I made breakfast for the family, and I was cheery when everybody got up. But just wait till 1.15 p.m., right? I mean, things are going to change. You're not as good at this. 
as Jesus is. Jesus is perfect, we are not. And so when we talk about loving like Jesus, we can get discouraged because how do I do such a thing? Well, even though we will not get there in this life, it's it's an aspiration, it's an ideal. It's the direction that we run. It's our default pattern is to love like Jesus loves. But Jesus didn't just give us an example. He gave us more than that. If he just gave us an example, it would be like my experience last night. My, my family, uh, wife and son and I watched McFarlane USA, a, a movie about a cross-country team. And when, when that uh, movie was over at nine-something at night, my son and I went for a run. Why? Because we had an example set for us of running And so we got out and we ran, but we didn't run very far, but we got out and we ran at least a little bit, right? Uh, There is an example that Jesus sets, but Jesus didn't just give us an example. Jesus gave us something more. He gives us his spirit. And the spirit that he gave produces a fruit. You know what the first fruit of the spirit is that's mentioned in Galatians chapter 5? The fruit of the spirit is what? love. It's also a number of other things, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Where does the love of Jesus come from in our lives? It comes from us abiding in him, resting in him, depending upon him. And then the Spirit that Jesus placed inside of us at the moment of our belief is able to produce through us love. Maybe not perfectly in our experience because we're broken and we're fallen. But as we depend on him, there are moments of his fruit that show up and there's a harvest that those around us get to experience. Don't you want to feed others the fruit of love right now? Don't you want those around you to to feed you a harvest of love right now? Well, where does that come from? It comes from a collection of people who are dependent upon the spirit of God. And as we are dependent upon the Spirit of God, one of the things that becomes manifest in the community is love. So as we live by the Spirit, as we depend upon the Spirit, love shows up. But look at what verse 25 continues to say. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit of God is going to run a direction. It's going to head in a path, and that path is defined for us in God's Word. And part of God's Word reveals to us the example and the pattern of love. And so as we see that this is the example and the pattern of love, part of keeping in step with the Spirit is we believe and we depend upon God, but then we take proactive steps in action that are consistent with the places that the Spirit is calling us to go. How might you take some action steps to demonstrate the love of God that we saw demonstrated in the person of Jesus? How can we love like Jesus? Well, we can be dependent upon the Spirit of God, but then we walk and take action steps consistent with the direction that the Spirit is calling us to go. Now, Jesus says in verse 35, uh, this amazing statement about love. He says, by this, meaning by the way that we love one another, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, how will people know that you are a Christ follower? 
Will they know that you're a Christ follower because you're a member of Wildwood Community Church? Jesus says no. Will they know that you are a Christ follower by the number of activities and church services you attend? Jesus says no. Those things reveal something about the pattern of your life. They, they, they do speak to your priorities. You've prioritized church life, but they don't necessarily show that you are a disciple or a follower of Jesus. What is it that Jesus says will reveal? What is the litmus test that reveals if we are truly his follower, Jesus said, the thing that will show that you are mine is if you have love for one another. Why? Well, because Jesus loved one another. I mean, those who, who saw Jesus, those who heard him preach, those who saw the miracles that he worked, those that saw the care and compassion he had upon the masses as he fed them, those that saw his interactions even with his enemies, it was undeniable the quality of the relationship that Jesus had with those around him. He was one anothering them. He was loving them. And so those who really get it, those who are really connected to Jesus, if you want to really demonstrate it, it's not how much you know, but it's going to be how you love one another. Friends, this is what we see inside of the Scripture. It's, it's a call for us to demonstrate our spiritual growth by increasing love that we have for one another. You want to know if you're growing spiritually? Part of that is a growing faith in God. We talked about that last week. Regardless of our circumstances, able to adopt God's perspective about what's going on so that we might be matured in that way, that's part of it. But the other part that Jesus outlines is that, that we, if we are growing spiritually, that we will be increasing in the love that we demonstrate, not just talk about, but demonstrate towards one another. Jesus says, this is how they will know that you are my followers. Are you loving as Jesus loves? That's really the question that Jesus brings up, and he gives it in the form of a commandment, commanding us to love as he loves. Now, this idea of loving one another is picked up on by the followers of Christ. They, they took him seriously. It made a difference in their lives. And the Spirit of God, which is obviously speaking in concert with, moving in the direction that Jesus was talking about, further clarifies what that love looks like as we exhibit it towards one another in the rest of the New Testament. And what we see in the rest of the New Testament is this principle. We are remade to one another one another. We're remade to one another, one another. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, by remade, what we're talking about there is that we are, uh, in Christ, a new creation. In Jesus, we are a new creation in him. So his spirit has been placed within us. We've been given a new destiny, a new eternity in front of us. We've become his. And at that moment, as we have become his, then we are placed in this life with an ethic that requires us to one another, one another, to live out our spiritual life connected with those around us. Now, where do we see that inside of the Scripture? 
Well, it began with what Jesus said, and we saw this, where Jesus says that we are to love one another in John 13, verses 34 and 35. This is the, 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 the dominant lead headline principle. But the rest of the authors of the New Testament take this principle and they flesh it out a little more under the direction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So what do they say about it? Well, the Apostle Paul talked a lot about it. Now, if you are right now at home and you're going to try to write all of this down, just stop. You're not going to be able to get there, okay? Um, but, but here's the thing. On my blog, PastorMarkRobinson.com, all these slides are there so you can find those after the service. But just soak this in for a moment. Paul talks and says we are to be devoted to one another, to honor one another, to live in harmony with one another, to build up one another, to accept one another, to admonish one another, to care for one another, to serve one another, to not provoke one another, to carry the burdens of one another, to be patient with one another, to forgive one another, to be compassionate to one another, to submit to one another, to consider one another, more important than yourself, to to teach one another to comfort one another, and to encourage one another. And friends, that's not even a comprehensive list. The Apostle Paul mentioned again and again and again what it looks like for us to love one another with all kinds of different levels of specificity. A hard word to say. I've been talking for a long time. Don't worry, we're almost done. So Paul said this, right? But it wasn't just Paul. The author of the, the letter to the Hebrews talks about exhorting one another, talks about stirring up one another to love and good deeds. They're one anothering one another. It's what it looks like to live out the principle of loving one another. There's a lot of different directions that this goes. Peter writes in his epistles that we are to show hospitality to one another, that we are to serve one another with the gifts that God has given to us. And James talks about not slandering one another not grumbling against one another, praying for one another, and confessing our sins to one another. Friends, when we think about this principle, we are remade in Christ to one another, one another. Now, I just ran through a bunch of different places, and I would encourage you to spend some time later today uh, as you gather together with those that you're watching the service with or, or later this week, and just reflect on those commands and see where God might be calling you, that your, your love for others might be truncated in some way because you're not living it out in those particular areas. But here's what I want to encourage us with. We were remade in Christ to one another, one another, and there's not an asterisk placed beside that. There's no asterisk. It doesn't say we are to one another, one another. We're to love one another in these kinds of ways, and we're to do that unless there's a pandemic. If there's a pandemic, then suddenly all bets are off, and we are no longer to one another, one another. We're just to take care of us. You know, the fastest way to depression is just think about you. And I say that not because it's on you. I mean, it's a real struggle that that so many are going through, but my point is, If our world begins and ends with us, friends, our world is too small. We weren't made to be alone. It was not good for Adam to be alone. So God made a helper fit for him. We are designed and remade in Christ to one another, one another. 
This, this idea of being made to one another, one another, it has no asterisk. It doesn't say, once you get to middle school, then you are to one another, one another. No, children, this applies to you too. It doesn't say when you get to high school, middle school students, this applies to you too. It doesn't say when you get to college and get out on your own, high school students, this applies to you too. This doesn't say once you get the dream job and all your life is together, no, young adults, this applies to you. It doesn't say when your kids are graduated, then you are to one another, one another. No, Families, this applies to you. It doesn't say when you, until you retire, it applies to you. No, empty nesters, this applies to you. And, and it doesn't say, you know, that once you become a, a senior citizen and you are retired from your vocation, that suddenly you are done one anothering one another. There is no asterisk, friends. If you're hearing my voice today, the ethic that Jesus has for you is he says, I want you to love as I have loved you. And the way that will play out is as you one another, one another. Friends, how is the Lord stirring in your heart? If you want to grow spiritually at this time, it's available. Jesus has made a way. The way that that happens is for us to turn to him, to certainly have his perspective become our perspective on our life as our faith grows in Him, but also that we would keep in step with the Spirit, fellow believers in Jesus, and we would love one another by faith because that's what we were made for. How is the Lord stirring within your heart, all of you today, encouraging you to love one another? Father God, we thank you so much for just the opportunity that you have given us to follow you today. Father, thank you that it is possible for the love that Jesus has shown to us that blows us away and invites us into an eternal relationship with you. Thank you that that quality of love is available to those around us and you desire to pour it out into the lives of those around us through us. Father, we are broken, we are sinful, but Jesus is amazing. And Father, I desire his fruit to be what is felt on the other side of me. May all of us, Father, fall on your grace, depend upon you, to produce in us the effect and the fruit that we desire so much in others. And Father, I, I pray, just thinking too about those that might be listening today who don't know Jesus as their Savior. Father, I, I thank you that the love that you showed your disciples was, was not something that was only available to a few, but it's available to all. We turn to you and depend upon Jesus. I pray that there would be people in living rooms and in bedrooms and in their cars or wherever they're listening or watching this service right now, that there would be people who would be inspired by your love, desire your love, and come to your love in this moment and accept the death that Jesus died to pay the penalty for their sins so that they might begin a life following you and demonstrating your love.
We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.